We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning I am going to talk about probably very difficult subjects and I don't claim to be able to answer all questions on the subject but I want to share three important things that I believe will be helpful to us in this context. How do we win over discouragements and defeats in life? How do we win over discouragements, defeats in life? I want to spend some time talking about that. You know, on the one hand, we know that the Bible says that through our God we shall do valiantly. And 2 Corinthians 2.14, Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. We know that. And yet the reality is, many of us have faced discouragements and even defeats in life. We failed the exam, didn't pass the interview, haven't got the job yet. On the one hand, we know the Bible says, you know, whatever you put your hands to, you will prosper. And yet, on the other hand, the reality is some, some of us, we may have tried, 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 and tried, and not succeeded yet. On the one hand, we know the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And maybe the person you prayed died the next day. Or you're praying for somebody and they still haven't recovered. What do you do? I mean, how do you win through these circumstances? How do you overcome discouragements? How do you overcome... Defeats. You know, what do you do when a prophet who is generally accurate prophesies over your life and the prophecy does not come to pass? I mean, you're expecting that prophecy to be fulfilled. Time comes, time goes, prophecy fails. I mean, it doesn't happen. What do you do? You're really discouraged. But how do you win over that discouragement? How do you win over what might seem a defeat in your life? And then there are catastrophic things that take place in people's lives. And I'm just talking about some things that have happened that are to people we know. And some were right here, part of our church in the early years. You know, what would you do if you were the young lady who just got married? The first two years of your marriage, you have a child. And suddenly, unexpectedly, your husband has a brain hemorrhage. And within two weeks he dies. What do you do? What do you do if you're a young couple, both believers, both highly educated, well qualified, both strong believers? They get married. And in three months of the marriage, one of them gets on a plane and travels to another country, just disappears out of the marriage. What do you do? Now these are realities. These are not just made up scenarios. These have happened to people in our church. People we know. What do you do? What do you do if you were... A, a young man who studied in one of the best universities in the United States, worked for one of the best corporations in the United States, spent several years being trained, etc., etc. You're, you're a believer, you have a very noble vision and a noble calling, you want to come back and serve your country, so you come back, you start up a company, and within two years, everything collapses. 
All that training, all that experience, and the best institutions, the best corporations, just gone down the drain. In two years today, you're standing with nothing. What do you do when you face discouragement and apparent defeat? And you're a believer. You love Jesus with all your heart. How many of you relate to what I'm saying? Are these realities of life or not? What do we do? How do we handle? How does God want us to respond to these kinds of experiences, situations in life? These are realities. And I'm not claiming to be able to answer everything, but I want to share some three simple things that I believe will, will really be important, will, be, will really encourage us and hopefully help some of us respond correctly. If you find yourself in some situation similar to this, hopefully you can take something back this morning that will help you respond correctly. We must all begin with this basis that in every circumstance, in every situation, one thing is fact, one thing is fixed, that God, let God be true and every man a liar. God cannot lie. His word is always the truth. His word is forever settled in heaven. So I must not change or alter God's word or God's will to explain my situation. His word is the truth. God cannot lie. Amen. So I must not try to alter the unalterable word of God, the eternal forever established word of God. His word is forever settled. His word still reads the same before the tragedy, in the middle of the tragedy, and after the tragedy. And I have no authority to change his word or the description of his will. Amen. So that must be established. God's word is the same. I can always come back to it and still say, I believe that word to be true. In spite of discouragement, in spite of defeat, in spite of what, I, what I've seen happen to others or what I might have, might have gone through myself. Amen. Now what causes these kinds of things to happen to us? There could be several factors. I'm not attempting to explain all of them. But you know, there are several factors that cause these things to happen. Sometimes it could be the folly of our own mistakes, our own wrong choices that cause these things to happen. Sometimes it could be the actions of others which we have no control over. They did this to us. Sometimes it could be just some demonic attack and very vehement, forceful attack of the enemy against our lives that has brought this calamity, that has brought this chaotic situation into our world. Sometimes it could be just what we perceive as a discouragement, but really is God's waiting for His Kairos time. So we are perceiving it as a discouragement, but God's just waiting for the right time to release the blessing that we are believing Him for. But in going through that, we think, we are, you know, this is not happening, we are discouraged. And sometimes it's just a natural process of decay that's in this world that causes things to happen. Now regardless of what the cause is, I want to share three simple things on how can you respond? How do you respond to these circumstances? How do you respond to discouragements and defeats in life? What should you do as a believer? Three things. One of these three is what God would require you and me to do. The first one, in some situations, I believe God just wants us to continue doing what we're doing. He just expects continued action. Just continue doing what you're doing. Straight, stay true to your calling. You'll face certain discouragements, defeats, but don't change what you're doing. Keep at it. That's one course of action that God would want us to take in certain situations. Why? For several reasons. One, because that's the only way you build endurance. You cannot buy endurance at McDonald's. Amen. The only way you develop endurance is by going through and sticking, staying on course 
through discouragements, through circumstances that seemingly bring defeat in your life. Think about some examples. And I'll just share a few examples on each of these. Think about Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise. I'm going to give you Abraham and Sarah a promise. I'm going to give you a child. It only takes nine months to have a child. But for Abraham, it took 25 years for him to receive the child of promise. Isn't God so mean? God, you took 25 years to give Abraham a promise that you made. That's so mean. But it only need, you only need nine months. If God wanted to, he could have done it in nine seconds or less. And yet for Abraham, 25 years. But what did God want to Abraham to do during that course of what seemed like discouragement, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting? One thing, God wanted him to stay true to the promise. Just be faithful. Hebrews 6, 12, the Bible says, you know, do not be slothful, but be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The very next word says, it talks about Abraham. Abraham. He's the example of Hebrews 6, 12. Who through faith and endurance inherited the promise. So, in some cases, you just stick the course, you keep on in it. Why? Because God is developing endurance in you. He's building that in your life. Think about Job, a great example. And we're not going to go into all the details of what happened in Job's life. But the interesting thing is Job's response in Job 13, verse 15. Job says, you know, in the middle of all of that, he says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I mean, even if God's going to kill me, I am still going to trust in him. Amen. That's the kind of commitment God wants. Even if God is going to kill me, I'll still trust in him. And then the New Testament in James chapter 5 verse 10 11 points back to Job and says, You know the Old Testament prophets who spoke about endurance and suffering affliction. Look at Job. He is an example of patience. He's an example of patience. Endurance. Here's a man. Another reason why God will want us to continue with action, even in the face of discouragement and apparent defeat, why God will want us to continue action, is sometimes it's an invitation to become desperate. God likes people who are desperate. Amen. God wants to bring us to a place of desperation. Think about Hannah as a classic example. You know, year after year in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2, year after year she's praying and asking God for a child. Time passes by and she comes to a place of total desperation saying, God, I must have a child. And then God grants her a request and she has a child. A place of complete desperation for the answer. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, barrenness in any area is an invitation to excel. Amen. It's not the reason for us to be discouraged and think it's over. It's an invitation to excel. It's saying, come on, go for it. A closed womb, if anything that seems closed up, is, it's just God's way of drawing us in desperation for that thing so that our desire for that thing will become a lifestyle even after we receive it. Amen? If everything was granted to you like that, we wouldn't value it very much. But once you're brought to a place of desperation for it, then when you receive it, when you're walking in it, you treasure it. You know what price you paid to have it in the first place. And that desire will be as intense as it was in the beginning. So sometimes God just wants us to stay the course. He wants us to continue action because He's bringing us to a place of total desperation for it. Number three, why would God want continued action? Because in some situations, it's a preparation for what's coming ahead. 
A classic example of that is David. David was anointed to be king. Prophet Samuel comes, prophesies, anoints him to be king. The next thing he finds, I mean, he becomes a national hero. But then he finds himself out in the wilderness, a homeless wanderer. The man anointed to be king, living in caves without anything. In 1 Samuel 22 verses 1 and 2. But it is in that very situation, in that very state of life, God connects 400 people. And they're all just like Him. They're all desperate, they're all in debt, and they're all very upset with life. Discontented, the Bible says. But God connects these 400 people to David's life at a point when he is so low in life. Nothing. Wandering in caves. But the wonderful thing is, is as the story unfolds, you find that these 400 people become... The chief men of David's army. They become his mighty men in his army. So even in the lowest points of your life, God is doing things and he's preparing things for your future. He just wants you to stay the course. Keep doing what you're doing. Another reason why God might want you and me just to continue in action and even the face of discouragement and defeat is that sometimes it's a, it, it, during the course, it's time for us to correct things that are wrong. Things that are wrong. He lets you, come on, correct that, and correct that, and correct that. But stay the course. Don't get off track. But correct the things that are wrong and keep going. You'll break through into victory. A classic example is that of Joshua and the people of Israel. They've crossed over the river Jordan. They've come into the land of Canaan. They have captured Jericho. They move on. They think the next enemy is going to be just easy. A few of them, 3,000 of them go against Ai, but they face defeat. Why? Because there was sin in the camp. And Joshua is just broken. He says, God, I can't bear watching Israel turn its back to its enemies. I don't like this defeat. But then God points out and says, look, there is sin in the camp. Get rid of it. You'll have victory. So when, when Joshua cleans it up and their sin is removed, they go back and they win over AI. So sometimes, it, when we go through situations of discouragement and defeat, you know, clean up, clean up, find out, God, is there anything wrong that I'm doing? I need to clean it up. Keep moving forward. And the last reason why I believe God wants us continued action, even in the face of discouragement and defeat, is this. It's a time to manifest the grace of God. You know, a great, a great example of this is Paul the Apostle. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, Paul says, And because of the abundance of revelations that was given to me, that I received, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And concerning, uh, lest I should be exalted about measure. And concerning this thing, I beseech the Lord three times. And, and, and God responded saying, my grace is sufficient for you. And so Paul said, therefore I will most gladly glo- rather glorify God in my infirmities. That the, that the power of Christ may be made manifest through my life. Now, what Paul suffered was not some sickness. He faced his thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. It was messenger angelos a demonic being coming against him so it was not some sickness or disease a messenger of satan to buffet him means to keep coming back over and over against him opposing him in his ministry and so concerning this thing paul prayed said god can you do something about this demonic power that's coming against me over and over again can you take it out and god says paul i want you to stick the course i want you to go with it because my grace is going to be manifest in this circumstance through all of this amen I'll just tell your neighbor, you do not qualify for a thorn in the flesh. You know, many Christians just say, you know, I have a thorn in the flesh. It's my uncle and my aunt, you know. (laughs) Listen, I don't think there's anybody in this room who qualifies for a thorn in the flesh. Why? Because Paul's 
qualification for a thorn in the flesh was simply this. Because of the abundance of revelations that I received, there was given to me a thorn. So question, have you received that much revelation? No. So you do not qualify for a thorn in the flesh. Amen. Case closed. So, although none of us qualify for a thorn in the flesh and shouldn't, you know, use our uncle or aunt or as, an, as a thorn in the flesh, you know. But there's a lesson you and I can learn and that is that even when you're going through some repeated setbacks, repeated challenges, as you're pressing through God's gracious release, enough for you to go through it and His grace is manifested through your life. So people see it and they glorify God. And all God wants you to do is stay the course. Continue doing what you're doing. Continue to action. Amen. Now, here's the second kind of response God might want some of us to have in the midst of these kind of situations. The second might be this. Make the turn. The discouragement that you're facing, the defeat you're facing, is probably because you are at a dead end road. You are at a T-junction. And God says, turn right, make the turn. But some of us have got some emotional attachment to the straight path. And I say, straight it is and straight I will go. And you want to keep going straight, keep going straight. So you keep hitting that same barrier over and over and over again. And God says, hello, turn right, make the turn. But you're saying, no, I want to go straight. I was going straight, I will always go straight. And so what happens? You're facing discouragement over and over and over again. You're facing defeat over and over and over again. When, when right before you is the turn God wants you to make. Change in direction for your life. Are you listening this morning? Change direction. Make the turn. That's what it means. I'll just think of an example. Maybe you, know, you, you, you were so determined that you had to get a job in a certain area or a certain line of work. And so you sent out thousands of resumes, did hundreds of interviews, and the answer's all been no, 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 no. And staring you right in the face is another opportunity that God's put there, but you're refusing to take it because you want this. And all God wants you to do for you to win over that discouragement, over that defeat, is make the turn. Amen. And if you do that, you'll be on your way to victory. You'll come out a winner over what's discouraging you, over what's, what seems to be defeating you. Make the turn. Turn. It'll lead you on into a place of victory. You'll be a winner. God's designed you to be a winner. But many of us have emotional attachments to some idea or some ideal. I mean, just stick to it. Even when God is saying, make the turn. Sometimes this turn in our life is, is, is brought about sometimes by our own mistakes. As in the case of Moses, he did something wrong and suddenly everything changed in his life. He was out of the palace in the wilderness. Sometimes this turn in our life is brought about by what others do to us. Joseph, he was the most pampered one in his home. And suddenly he found himself working as a small you know, servant boy in Potiphar's house. Everything was being done for him. The next day he had to serve, he had to work. There was a sudden turn. But all of these turns was God just, just took them on into victory. He brought Moses and helped, fulfill, helped him fulfill his destiny. He took Joseph on to help him fulfill his destiny. So do not be afraid to make the turn that God is bringing into your life. Amen. The reason some of us are so stuck where we are is because we don't want to make the turn. 
So no, I cannot make the turn. I've been like this. I'll be forever like this. God bless you. But if you make the turn, if you just say, you know, I need to change, it lead you on into God's destiny, your life. The third response, the third way we respond in some of these circumstances is this, that there is no answer, but please take the next step. What answer can we give to that young lady who's had a little son and her husband is dead within the first two years of marriage? I do not think there is theology sufficient enough to give an answer. I remember a couple of weeks ago being at the hospital and one of our family members, or church family, my father was there in the hospital at last stage. Just had made a few visits and during one of those visits, the auntie, the, the person's wife, we were just talking a little bit and she said, you know, I feel so bad because everybody is telling me to have faith. I have faith. For the last seven years, I've been taking care of my husband. Now he'd been in, invalid for about six or seven years. I've been taking care of my husband. And she asked this question, Pastor, but why isn't he healed? Why isn't he getting well? Very tough question. My response was, Auntie, I don't know the answer. But I also felt that she was under so much of feeling of guilt because people are telling her, have faith, have faith. I mean, yes, we all have faith, but the person is not well now. He's at the end of his life. So the only thing I said is, Auntie, I said, you've done your best in the last seven years. Let there be no guilt in your heart. You've done your best. So let there be no guilt in your heart. Just move forward. Go forward. You and I must come to this place of understanding that we will not have answers for every experience in life. We will not have answers. Amen. It becomes very foolish when you try to explain something that God is not giving an explanation for. God is not obligated to give you and me an explanation for everything He does or He allows on earth. So it becomes foolish for you and me to try to give an explanation. That's when we come up with all kinds of weird notions and ideas and call it theology. The best thing to say is, look, we don't know, but I'm still going forward with God. The Bible says that in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children that we may know and do them. So there are obviously secret things which you and I will know nothing about. We can't give an explanation for anything. But the noble thing to do is saying, God, I do not understand why this happened. I do not understand why this thing happened in my life, happened to that person. I don't have an answer. I don't need an explanation. But God, regardless, I'm still trusting you and I'm still going to move forward with you. Amen. And in some situations of life, that's what you and I need to do. I mean, think about David. This is a powerful example. David and Bathsheba. You know David said, he killed Uriah, got Bathsheba, they had their first child. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 to 24, Here's what happens, you know, they had the child, but the child is about to die. So David for seven days is crying out to God for mercy. Now, David has sinned, he's done things he's not supposed to do. And he knows this is the judgment of God for his sin. And he's crying out to God for seven days, and, and then finally he gets the news that the child dies. And here's what David does. He gets up, cleans himself up, wears nice clothes. Goes into the house of God and sings the loudest song of praise and worship. And everybody's wondering, what's wrong with this man? 
His child has died and he's singing and worshipping God. What's wrong? So they asked David, David, what's the matter? You know, when the child was alive, you were so crying and weeping. And, but now your child is dead. You're supposed to be mourning, but you're in the temple, house of God, worshipping. What's wrong? David said, you know, while the child was alive, I was trying to reach God for his mercy. Now the child is dead. I accept that. The child cannot come back to me. I can go to it. But now I'm going to worship God. Move forward. Amen. And David had a second child through Bathsheba. He was King Solomon. God blessed him. You know, some of us need to do that. We need to encourage ourselves in God. Like how Psalm 42 says, you know, David cries out in Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Celebrate God. He is still the health of my help of my countenance and my God. You need to awaken your inner man. Say, celebrate. I don't have an answer. I may never have an answer. But I want to still worship God and move forward. It is our God who in Psalm 30, 11 and 12. He is the God who turns our mourning into dancing. He is the God who puts off a sackcloth and clothes us with gladness. The sad part is so many Christians want to hold on to their mourning. And want to hold on to their sackcloth and say, God, I will not let go of this mourning. I will not let go of this sackcloth until you give me an explanation of what has happened in my life. And they go from pastor to pastor. Pastor, why did this thing happen? I said, I don't know. But move forward. No. I'm going to hold on to my morning. I'm going to hold on to my sackcloth until I get an answer. It's a very sad thing. You need to put off the sackcloth. You need to get rid of the morning. And come into God's house. Worship and praise Him. Say, God, I don't have the answer why this happens. But you're still God. You are true. Your word is still truth. Your word is still settled in heaven. I will still hold on to your word. Amen. And move forward. So, I still say, He blesses all the work of my hands. I'll move forward and expect God to prosper me in whatever He, he calls me to do. I still say that He will give His angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. Even though there may have been moments in life when it seemed like there was no angel around me to protect me. I still say what his word says. Even when I don't have an answer. Why certain thing happened. Amen. Some of us today may need to do the first thing. You need to have continued action. Some of us may need to make the turn. And some of us may just need to say. God I don't have an answer. But I'm going to move forward and do what I need to do in life. And be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Here are two winning keys. First get wisdom. Get wisdom. Which is simply... You need the wisdom of God to know what to do. When you're confronted with a situation like this, where you're discouraged, you're facing defeat, you need to know, God, are you telling me that I must just continue doing what I'm doing? Or are you telling me it's time for me to make a turn? Or God, are you telling me that even though I don't understand, I just move forward and do what is the right thing to do in life? Even though, even though I don't have an answer. You need the wisdom of God to know what to do. And second, you need to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't lose your faith in the word of God. The word of God is unalterable. His promise reads the same every day. Still say what God says. Don't change your theology. Don't change your belief about God. His word still reads the same. Still say, I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Most of the healing evangelists you talk to today, 
You ask them, you know, how did you come into healing ministry? Well, I just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying for sick people until the percentage of people were healed just kept growing. That's all. That means they prayed for a thousand, maybe ten got healed. They kept praying for another thousand, maybe twenty got healed. Just kept going. Why? Because God's word is true. Even when we are facing discouragement and defeat in our lives. There is the agony of defeat. But we cannot allow it to overrule us. We must keep moving forward. I'll close with this. You know, from heaven's perspective, things look very, very different. All perception of defeat is just when things are perceived from earth. But things look very different when they are perceived from the throne room of God to the Father's eyes. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, you know, a failed attempt at a dream often becomes the foundation for another person's success. A failed attempt at a dream often becomes the foundation for another person's success. So let's say you step out and attempt to do something that probably not many others have done. You're attempting to do something. In the course of your attempt, you fail. But while you're attempting, you inspire 10 others to also attempt doing the same thing. Now while you may have failed, 10 others having received inspiration from you have succeeded in life. In that same thing. So you have contributed to the success of others. And therefore from heaven's eyes, you're not a failure. From earth's perspective maybe. But from heaven's eyes, you are the catalyst for the success of 10 other people on earth. You are a success. Amen. When you factor eternity into the equation, everything that's temporal diminishes in its importance. Things look very different. So I want to encourage us this morning that you can overcome discouragement and defeat in your life. Get the wisdom of God. Lord, what are you saying? What should I do? I'm faced with repeated discouragement, repeated defeat. What should I do? Are you telling me to stay the course with continued action because you're do, you want to build these things in my life? Or God, are you saying that I need to make a turn? I need to make a change. Or God, this has happened. I don't have an answer. But I'm willing to keep journeying even without unanswered questions. Amen. That's faith. That's courage. To stay on the journey with God even when you know you haven't had an answer to something that's taken place in your life. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.